And like Pastors Matt and Greg said, we're continuing our Family Feud message series. I love Steve Harvey. Those are great. Hey, today I'm going to introduce you to a principle. Uh, You might want to call it a law. It's the way life typically works in a specific dynamic that we'll learn about. And it relates specifically to your family. I don't care if you have a family today, uh, you know, technically you're single and you don't have your own like marriage family, but even if you don't have that particular thing, you do have a family you came from and you have people called relatives you do life with and the principles we're going to look at today specifically deal with family. Now it's not all that it deals with, it has broad ranging implications, but specifically to family. And I think that when you leave today, you're going to leave with some tools, some understanding, some knowledge. You're going to leave with some power. And you're going to leave, I think, with an action plan on some things you can specifically do to increase the quality of your family experience. Now, before I get to the specific rule we're going to look at today, I want to kind of set you up to understand it, because the rule we're going to talk about today from God's Word deals a lot like other rules and laws that you've heard about. For instance, maybe you've heard of a guy named Daniel Bernoulli. Daniel Bernoulli was a Swiss mathematician, and in 1738, he identified this thing called the Bernoulli Principle. Now, maybe you've never heard of him before, but I guarantee you know some of the implications of his work. Bernoulli observed this phenomenon that happened that when a fluid, an air or liquid, a fluid in a given set moves at a faster speed that the pressure decreases. The faster the fluid moves, the pressure begins to decrease. And scientists, people specifically, dealing with Bernoulli's principle took that rule that as you speed up air, as you speed up a fluid, the pressure decreases. And a couple of guys that maybe you've heard of, Orville and Wilbur Wright, took Bernoulli's principle, crafted a wing, and made an airplane for the very first time. And if you've ever ridden on an airplane, you may not have known it, but you are benefiting from the appropriate application of Bernoulli's principle. Now, the principles we're going to talk about today, the specific one that relates to your family, it's a whole lot like Bernoulli's principle. It was existing long before Bernoulli identified it. It was already there. It was already a truism. But once it was identified, people were able to take this identified phenomenon and apply it to their lives in a way that benefited them. Now, the converse is true. This principle was always there, and you can apply it to your life in such a way, or you can ignore it in your life in such a way that not only do you not benefit, but it actually harms you. If you happen to be in an airplane where the wind blowing over the top of the wing begins to slow down to such a rate, it no longer is going to provide the lift that that airplane needs, and Bernoulli's principle is going to kick in from the negative perspective, And there won't be enough lift, there won't be enough decrease in pressure on the top side of that wing to create the lift. And you and I, if we're in that plane, will experience Bernoulli's principle from a negative perspective, all right? But the law, the rule, the principle is the same. And it was always there. It was just in 1738 identified by this Swiss Swiss mathematician. Now, there's another rule that maybe you've heard of, a guy by the name of Archimedes. Again, maybe you've not heard of him. Archimedes of Syracuse. Now, he wasn't Archimedes of Syracuse, New York. He was Archimedes of Syracuse, a little city on the island of Sicily. That's that little ball that the boot of Italy is kicking, all right? And in 212 BC, so a couple thousand years ago, he identified the principle of buoyancy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Archimedes or not, but you've experienced the principle of buoyancy if you've ever stepped into a boat that did not sink. Now, for years, people had been building boats that didn't sink. They'd build them out of wood. People had observed that wood would float in water. And so they would build their boats out of wood. But Archimedes in 
212 BC identified what was really happening. Here's his basic principle. That if the weight of the water being displaced by an object that's floating is heavier than the object itself, buoyancy begins to happen and lift occurs. And Archimedes identified this thing and people began to take his principle and say, oh, we don't have to just build boats out of wood, we can build them out of metal. And as long as the principle is applied in an appropriate way, it will still float. He explained why it was, in fact, that rocks tended to sink because the weight of the water displaced by the rock was lighter than the rock itself, so the rock sunk, and why wood tends to float. Now, you don't have to know Archimedes. You don't have to understand his principle. But when you apply the principle in a specific way, you can benefit from it. If you've ever been on a boat, or the boat builders have, or great big battleships built out of metal that weigh hundreds of thousands of tons, they still get to benefit from the appropriate application of Archimedes' principle. I'm not here today to teach you about Bernoulli or about Archimedes specifically. But I do want to take your attention to a rule or a law in the Bible that works in the exact same way. It's always been true ever since time began. And it will always be true on this earth. And no matter what you know about it or don't know about it, it is already working in your life. But like all the rules that get discovered that are already there, but somebody takes time to name them and explain them, you and I can take this principle or this rule, this law, and we can appropriate apply it to our lives in such a way that we benefit from it. Or we can ignore it, and we don't change the rule. It still operates, but by ignoring it, we can not only not benefit from it, we might, in fact, actually bring ourselves harm. And when it comes to family and the people you love and the people you want to love you, here's our hope for you. Here's my prayer for you. Here's our hope for you as a church. Here's what your Heavenly Father hopes for you. He hopes this, that this great gift called family that he has blessed you with, that he, he brought you into the world through, he wants that to be a positive thing for you, a place of development and love and acceptance and encouragement, a place where you grow as an individual, but you're also affirmed, where you're challenged, but you're loved. That's his heart for you. That's our heart for you. And the appropriate application of this specific principle that I'm talking to you about today can help you to experience God's heart for you. And at the same time, if you or I ignore this principle, what's likely to happen is we're going to fall far short of what God wants for us in our families and what God wants for your life specifically. So if you're in a family today, you have a marriage, you have kids or whatever, this applies to you. If you were born into a family, this applies to you. If you're thinking about getting married, if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, this applies to you. And it has obviously far-reaching implications far beyond families. But today, I want to take you to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And we're going to slowly work our way through three verses. Slowly work our way through three verses. And I want you to see what I'm calling the law of the harvest for families. The law of the harvest for families. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. Here's what the Bible says. Do not, do not, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And then here's our law, identified by the Apostle Paul, somewhere around 35 to 40 A.D. A man, a woman, a person, reaps what he sows. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And here's our law. A man or a woman, a boy or a girl, reaps what he, she, sows. This law of the harvest, 
you reap what you sow. Just like Bernoulli's principle, just like the Archimedes principle, they've, this, this principle has existed since people were on the face of the earth. It's, it's been operating in your grandparents' life, in your parents' life, in your life. It will operate in your kids' and your grandkids' life. It will not change. And the Apostle Paul here identifies it for us. It's been identified in other places in your Bible as well, but, in the, but he didn't create it. He just calls it out. And he's calling out this principle in hopes that you and I, his readers there at the church at Galatia, that little city that he was specifically writing this letter to, but God preserved it for all of us. He's writing this principle down in hopes that we would understand it and we could leverage it for our benefit. Now, this is a law. It's a principle. You're not going to change it. You can ignore it, but you can't get away from it. And what that means for us practically is, is that if we'll take some time and try to understand its implications in our lives, I think, I think it will significantly help you understand what's going on in your family and how to move your family, move yourself to the direction of what God wants for us, where our families is a, are, are a place of enjoyment and love, acceptance and challenge and development, a lot of joy. And when we come to pain and understanding of the pain in a way that helps us to grow and doesn't debilitate us or rob us of all of our emotion, that's exactly what God wants for us in family, and this law will help us understand it. Now, when I say it's a law, what I mean for you to understand is that it applies to every single person in this room. And not only every person in this room, every single person that's ever been born. You reap what you sow. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you may have heard it, you know, written this way in the old King James that we used to kind of read our Bible in. And, uh, Whos, uh, whosoever sows, that will he also reap. Whatsoever you sow, that will you also reap. That principle requires some significant unpacking if you're going to understand what it means for your family and mine. L- let me give you another example. I, I have four kids, and uh, we watched a lot of Disney programming in our house when they were growing up, a lot. I mean, I have seen Little Mermaid 150,000 times. I, I have. I mean, I, I, I can like quote the line, sing the song. I don't because it kind of makes me feel you know, awkward or whatever. People look at me strange when I break out in, in song, but, but I can do it. Now, now, one of our favorite shows was, was Pinocchio. Uh, I like to watch the show. It's a little scary when you watch it with young kids. I mean, some really bad stuff happens. But you remember what, what happened to Pinocchio when he would lie? Pinocchio would tell a lie and his nose would grow, right? He would tell a lie and there would be almost an immediate consequence. His nose would grow. Now, if that were to happen you, to you today, like if every time you told a lie, your nose were to grow, let me tell you what would happen. The next time somebody asked you a question, you wouldn't answer right away. You would think, hmm, how do I make sure I tell the truth right now? Because the last thing you want to have happen is for your nose to grow and it to sprout twigs and leaves and that sort of thing. Um, you, don't, you don't want that to happen, right? Now, Bernoulli's principle and Archimedes' principle, they operate in the same way that Pinocchio's challenge was that if he lied he got an immediate result right if you don't build the boat right if it doesn't displace the right amount of water you're going to sink almost immediately or at least you're going to begin to sink almost immediately the law of sowing and reaping is a little more finesse there's a little more finesse in it sometimes there is a delay between the sowing the planting right the sowing of the seed and the reaping or the harvest of the thing you planted and because there is sometimes a delay, we think that maybe it doesn't apply to us. We think internally, or we're not consciously aware, that the seeds that we're sowing today are going to produce for us a harvest in the future. 
And sometimes we don't think that what's happening in our lives today is the direct result of seeds we planted way back when. Because unlike Bernoulli's principle and Archimedes' principle and Pinocchio's nose, the law of sowing and reaping, there's often a delay. In fact, there's always a delay from the time you plant the seed until you reap it. But here's what the Apostle Paul wanted us to understand. And the reason we're leaving the verse up there. When I explain a little bit more implication of this law in a moment, I think you'll understand why it's so important. But Paul wanted us to start off understanding how important it was. So he writes these words. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Here's what Paul is saying. That God is not your mama. See, when I was growing up, I could deceive my mom. I could mock her authority in my life. I didn't, you know, didn't set out to do that. That wasn't my goal. I didn't do it all the time. But I could convince my mom that I was pretty much right and everybody else was wrong. And I, bet, I bet you have had people in your life that way. I, I may, maybe your kids have done this to you. Something like this. I don't know what happened on that test, mom. I don't know what happened. All I know is, is that the study guide he gave us that I worked diligently through, I spent a lot of time working through that study guide, and the test was nothing like it. And so mom says, oh, you're right. I'm going to call that school, and I'm going to give him, right? Or, or, or I would get, you know, in, in some little skirmish or something, and I'd come home, and I would tell mom, mom, he just, and I would tell some story that had some truth in it, but I really exaggerated the parts that made me look better. And at the end of it, I, my mom, because I was my mama's boy, and she'd look at me, and she'd say, I bet they, and then I, I'm going to go over there and take it. I could fool my mom. The Apostle Paul wants you to know that God who put this law of the harvest, this sowing and reaping in place, God's not your mama, and you can't fool him. No matter what story you come up with, no matter how you explain your behavior, God can't be mocked. This law of sowing and reaping that he put in place way back in your Bible in Genesis, when he said that seeds would be planted and they would produce crop and fruit after their kind. That if you plant a watermelon seed, you get a watermelon. You plant a pumpkin seed, you get a pumpkin. You can't plant an apple seed and get a pineapple. That seeds would produce after their kind. And season in and season out, the law of sowing and reaping in the physical world would be true. But it would also be true in the spiritual world and in the relational world and in the emotional world. The law of sowing and reaping, God put it in place. And no amount of explaining and manipulating the data to convince yourself that it's not working in your life is going to exempt you from the implications of this rule. It's not going to exempt me. It's not going to exempt you. God won't be mocked on this. I don't know what happened. I, I've driven by this intersection a thousand times and there was never a stop sign there. And Today they put up a stop sign and I didn't see it. And I went through and I got a ticket and they're so unfair. You can explain all the challenges you have in this life and all the difficulties you have in this world and make yourself feel good about them. But when it comes to the law of sowing and reaping, you can leverage it to your benefit or you can ignore it to your harm. And the Apostle Paul wants us to see how important it is and what the specific implications are for our lives. So he begins by saying, don't be deceived. Now listen, your potential and my potential for self-deception is very high. I can deceive myself into thinking I'm doing better than I am, that, that I'm further along than I am, that I'm not the cause of the challenge you are. In my marriage, let me make it very clear, I've never really been wrong. Not at first, and often not for a very long time. It takes an awful lot of convincing. 
sometimes for me. My wife can attest to that, but she doesn't have the mic, so I'll tell the story right now. Um, I, I have the capacity for self-deception, and I bet you do too. I know you've seen it in your kids, and if not in your kids, mom, I got it in the kids down the street. Their parents have capacity for self-deception. Can I tell you something I've observed? That we judge ourselves <laughs> by our intentions. This is not, I don't, listen, I, I know what happened, but I didn't mean to. I never intended to. And we tend to judge our friends by their actions, and we judge our enemies by their mistakes. But we have different standards for different people, and I hold myself to a different standard. One of, one of the things I've observed in my life, that when I compare myself to you, I rate myself better. When I think about me in comparison to the people around, her, around me, I tend to rate myself better. I can always find somebody doing worse than me. And so when Jill's trying to convince me I need to lean in on something and think about something and press in and spend a little time on that thing, it's easy for me to come up with some examples of people that I do it better than. And when I think that way, I always feel better about myself. But when I compare myself to myself and I strip away self-deception, I don't just feel better about myself. Let me tell you something else that happens. I begin to grow. When I compare myself to other people, I feel better. But when I compare myself to myself, I tend to be in a growth pattern. This is what Paul's talking about. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, a woman, a husband, a wife, a child, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, an employee, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle. You reap what you sow, and you can't get away from it. It's always been true, and maybe you haven't yet identified it in your life, but the law is already at work. And so today is an opportunity for us to open our eyes and look at this principle and how it relates not to your husband, but to you. Not to your wife, but to you. Not simply for your kids. If you're a parent in the room, of course, listen with ears to understand how you can leverage this benefit for the benefit of your kids. But not just for your kids. For you, mom. For you, dad. Now, here's the cool thing about this. It doesn't matter if in the room today you're a follower of Jesus or you're not. This law works in your life in the exact same way. Christians and, and from it, and I can't, and our tendency for self-deception will make us want to put ourselves on a different plane of existence, but it's right there in front of us. And there are some huge implications that if we'll leverage them, like if you leverage the Archimedes principle, you can float. Or you leverage the Bernoulli principle, and you can fly. Or you can ignore it. I can ignore it. And in so doing, I don't get the benefit that these principles... Show me I can have. And so let's talk about some of the implications. Verse 8, here's what the Bible says. Paul's unpacking this principle because he wants to be no ambiguity. Whoever sows, whoever plants seed to please their flesh, their selves, that non-spiritual, the unredeemed, the, the part of us that just lives in the world and hasn't been fully touched by God's grace and God's knowledge. Whoever sows to please themselves... From themselves, they're going to reap, and here's the word he uses, destruction. The law of sowing and reaping says that if you sow certain kinds of seed, the seed that is self-oriented, selfish, the seed that is all about you, your needs, your wants, your agenda, your desire, if you sow there only, here's what's going to happen. The law of sowing and reaping kicks in. You haven't leveraged it, and you're going to reap, here's our word, destruction. Now listen, in, in the Greek, that word destruction means destruction. All right, that's what it means. There, there's no hidden agenda here. 
If you sow selfishly in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, you're going to reap destruction. Now, nobody believes they sow selfishly. That's why Paul begins by saying, don't be deceived. The tendency for self-deception here is high. The tendency to blame the other person is high. The tendency to look around you and find fault there but never see it here is high. The tendency to look out the window and blame people as opposed to looking in the mirror and take responsibility is high. And so if you've deceived yourself and you're still sowing seeds to the flesh and it doesn't even register with you that you're doing that, here's what's going to happen in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, in your relationship, in your life. Here's what's going to happen. Destruction. Now, why, why does God tell us these things? Why doesn't God just make it so that whatever we do, there's this umbrella of grace that covers it, and we never have to experience the negative consequences of our behaviors? We never have to experience the reaping later what we sowed earlier. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but the short answer is this. He's telling us because he loves us. And he wants us to be able to leverage the law of sowing and reaping because you're not going to change the rule. It is already working in your family. The dynamics that are already happening in your marriage to a large degree are the direct result of seeds that you and your spouse have sown into your marriage. Which means if it's going pretty well, you've been planting pretty good seed in a timely season. And if it's not going so well, here's exactly what it means. That somewhere in that marriage, in that family, somebody's been sowing some bad seeds at a bad time, in a bad place, and you're reaping the consequences now of what was done earlier without even knowing the details of all that's going on in your family. Now, there are a few exceptions, of course. Like in every rule, there are a few scenarios. I mean, sometimes there's some mental illness stuff that can happen, of course. And people aren't robots, so you can do the right thing. And if another person doesn't want to play along, of course, it can create some challenges. But those few examples aside, in general, what's happening in your family, in my family right now, is the direct result of the seed that we've been sowing at some point in the past. And if we've been sowing selfishly, Paul tells us through God's anointing, as he's writing this letter that's been preserved for us in a thing we call the Bible, that we will reap destruction. And then he says, whoever sows to the Spirit... That is the stuff where God is at char in charge, where God is in the driver's seat, where we allow him to be the Lord, and we take second seat, and we put our agenda behind. Wherever we sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit, we're going to reap eternal life. Now, this is not just talking about life in heaven, life that goes on, but it's talking about the kind of life that God wants to have now. It's a broad, encompassing term that means both life here and life there. If we sow to the Spirit, the rewards... The leveraging of this principle is going to be significant in our family, in our marriage. And this is why when people come to me, one of the challenges I have in, in helping young couples who are dating to understand, or a young woman or a young man to understand, is that, look, if you decide to give your heart to somebody that doesn't share your value for Jesus, it's going to create major challenges for you. They don't understand the same things that you understand. They don't have, they're not on the same page that you're on. And they can't sow to the Spirit in the same way that you can. They don't, they don't elevate Jesus to the same degree. And so, yeah, you can love each other, and maybe it'll work, but you're, you're stacking up challenges for yourself. Because in a family, when a husband, when a wife, when a mom, a dad, when the kids begin to sow in the right direction, the harvest of that thing later, and sometimes not so much later, but sometimes it's delayed, 
the harvest of that thing is beautiful and awesome. And when you don't do that, it's destruction or it's life. Which, which do you want? But the tendency for self-deception is high, and they all believe they can do it. Nobody wants to be lonely, so they're willing to take the risk. But we don't have to be ignorant about this stuff. The law of sowing and reaping is at work in your family right now. So Paul writes, and he wants us to understand. So in verse 9, he says this. So let's not become weary in doing good. Sowing the good seed. Doing the right stuff. Letting Jesus lead in our marriages. Letting Jesus lead in our parenting. Letting Jesus lead at our next family dinner when we have to get together with the people we don't really like. Letting Jesus lead there because if we keep sowing the good seed, he says, for at the proper time... When the harvest has come, when the seed has had a chance to sprout out, just it out with these words. Therefore, as we have opportunity, so whenever you can, let us do good to all people. Sow seed, good seed, wherever you can, especially to those that belong to the family, the family of believers. You, you, you capture some of that family language. And so he's specifically talking to a local church, but the principle applies to your marriage, to your parenting, to your cousins, to your aunt, to your uncle, to your in-law relationships. Sowing and reaping is true. And you're not going to get away from it. But man, you can leverage it to your benefit, to the benefit of your kids, to the benefit of your wife, to the benefit of your grandkids. Or you can ignore it under the guise of self-deception that when you compare yourself to others, you're always doing better. But when you compare yourself to yourself, really, how are you doing? I've observed when I compare myself to others, I always do better. But when I compare myself to me and what I know God's called me to do, that opens the door for my growth. So there are three big so what's about the law of sowing and reaping that I think we can leverage. So here's the first one. You reap what you sow. Now, that sounds like just a restatement of the principle, but I want to drill down on that word what. I, I briefly referenced it that if you plant watermelon seeds, they don't grow pineapples. You plant apples, you don't get oranges. No, you plant apple seed, you get apples. You reap what you sow. The Bible teases this principle out for us in several places. It applies to friendships, for instance. The Bible says, he who has friends, he who wants friends, he who wants to have friends, must first show himself friendly. You, you want to get friends? Be friendly. Plant seeds of friendliness, it tends to, over time, lead to friendships. It applies to mercy. In Jesus' teaching in Matthew, he said, Blessed are those that show mercy, for they will be shown mercy. You, you, want, you want to get some mercy in your life when you need it? Maybe you don't even know when you're going to need it, but at some point you're going to need it. You want to do that? Well, when you have an opportunity to show mercy, show it. If you do that consistently, when you need mercy, guess what's likely to happen? You're going to be shown mercy. You plant mercy, you reap mercy. Jesus said it even applies to this idea of being judgmental. He said, in the same way that you judge, you're going to be judged. With the same measure of judgment you give, that's the measure of judgment you're going to get. It even applies to being generous with things like money and time and emotions. Jesus said it this way, give, plant the seeds, and it will be given to you. Now these are just the way it works on the spiritual level. So what this means for us practically is, if in your marriage, if in your family, with your kids, with your in-laws, if you sow neglect, over time you continue to, show, to sow neglect, you don't show up, you're not there emotionally, you're not available, here's what's going to happen over time. You're going to, I'm going to reap distance. And if you, show, if you sow judgment and blame, over time you're going to reap 
self-righteousness and bitterness in that relationship. And if you sow excuses or you withhold love, as you're dealing with challenges, here's what's going to happen over time. You're not going to break this rule. It's going to happen. You're going to reap the dying of the love you once had. The law of sowing and reaping will not be broken. God won't be mocked on this principle. You can deceive yourself, but it's only going to hurt you. And if you sow deceit and dishonesty, if there's lies in your marriage, here's what's going to happen over time. There's going to be broken trust and intimacy. Because whatever you sow, that is what you reap. On the other hand, if you sow focused attention at important times, here's what's going to happen. You're going to reap closeness in your marriage. If you sow diligent prayer, you're going to reap guidance and wisdom over time. And if you sow listening with an open heart and a welcoming attitude, over time you're going to reap honesty, truth. Over time you're going to reap intimacy in your marriage. So do the quick checklist. Which of those do you want, destruction or life? Distance, closeness. Affection, distance. And if whatever's happening in your life right now doesn't line up where you want, the first place to look isn't simply at your spouse, isn't to look at how busy you are, isn't to look at who can fix things for you and how you can get out of here. The first place to look is what seeds have I been sowing over time that are now producing a harvest in my life? And the tendency for self-deception is very high. When I compare myself to others, I always feel better. When I compare myself to myself, I tend to grow. So not only will you reap what you sow, here's our second key point, you're going to reap later than you sow. (laughs) Unlike Pinocchio's nose that grew as soon as he told a lie, so he got high motivation to not lie, the law of sowing and reaping has a delay principle. You will reap later than you sow. The farmer doesn't go to the field and say, hey, here's the deal. I don't have any seed, but would you produce a crop for me? It, It doesn't work. What happens is, The the farmer has to take something that is pricely and precious and put it in the ground and hope for and wait for the harvest to come. And it doesn't come right away. And when there's been plenty, it's easy to take a portion and give give it away and to put it in the ground. But where you feel like you have a lack, where you feel like you don't have enough, it's very difficult sometimes in those situations to think, Here I am sitting on empty on this particular principle and this particular experience with this particular emotion, and I'm expected to, when I'm sitting on empty, give that? Give that thing that I don't even feel like I could give? I have no emotion left? We've been down this road a thousand times. How would I, how can I even muster up the strength to do that again? To harvest later in our lives, and we do that with a certain amount of intentionality, then it's very unlikely we're going to harvest what we want to harvest. And all the complaining and explaining and comparing in the world isn't going to bring it to us. Now, some things you can harvest pretty quickly. For instance, if you want a mushroom, if you want to harvest a mushrooms, a couple of hours. Mushrooms tend to grow about overnight. If you want radishes, you know, it takes a couple days. Potatoes take a couple weeks. Wheat takes a couple months. But if you want, like, red delicious apples, sometimes that takes a couple years of really tending to that seed over time into the tree before you reap a harvest. The truth of the matter is, is that if you want your family to thrive, God's word tells you, because God loves you, that you and I are going to have to plant seeds in our life today that might take a while before they fully 
manifest. Is it fair? Well, it depends on how you define fair. It depends on how you define fair. Here's what I tell my kids every time the word the words, it's not fair, comes up, or that's not fair. I say to them, fairness disappeared in the Garden of Eden. Life's not fair. But God has given you a principle, and me a principle, that we can leverage for our benefit. You want intimacy? Sow time and attention into the marriage. Sow time and attention with your kids. You want them to trust you? Sow time and attention into your kids. So, we will reap what we sow. We're going to reap later than we sow. And number three, we're going to reap more than we sow. Here's where you can really get the benefit of this principle in your life and my life. It's said that the average ear of corn has about 250 individual pieces of corn, kernels, on each stalk. And and each stalk um, can produce several ears of corn, 250 kernels for each ear. Now, now, here's the question. How, ma- how much corn is in each kernel of corn? Well, if you, if you just look at that thing, it's a, it's a very small amount. But one kernel of corn planted in good soil at good time can produce an entire stalk, each producing several ears of corn, each producing 250 individual corn or, or kernels, that each one can be planted. There's no telling. I mean, the average pumpkin in, 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 in Ohio has between 300 and 500 seeds. So how, how much pumpkin is in that? Well, if I just take the thing itself, it's that. But the law of sowing and reaping that says you reap more than, what you sow, more than what you sow, you will always reap more than what you sow. The law of sowing and reaping tells us that there's a whole lot more pumpkin in that pumpkin if you look at the potential in the seed. So is there an absence in your relationship? Is there, is there a sense of, of want? Something you need a lot of you haven't been getting? The law of sowing and reaping, this principle that can be leveraged in your life and my life, here's what it tells us. That, that you're going to reap what you sow, you're going to reap later than you sow, but you're going to reap more than you sow. You may not believe this because of where you are emotionally, but I have seen marriages turn around almost overnight because each person, the husband and the wife, decided they're going to start sowing good seed. Instead of blaming, instead of looking around and comparing, they're going to take responsibility for themselves, they're going to own their own potential for self-deception, and they're going to start planting good seed And in most marriages, it doesn't take a lot of seed to begin to see powerful turn. In most parent-child relationships, it doesn't take a whole lot of seed to begin to see powerful turning. So God has given us this principle, and he wants us to understand the principle so that we can leverage it for our benefit. How many apples are in one seed? How many pumpkins are in one seed? How much love is in one act of love? How much goodwill in your marriage is a date night? How much goodwill in your marriage is a well-thought-out gift given? How much goodwill, how much positive benefit is there going to be when you provide words of affirmation and love to your spouse? Ladies, how much goodwill would happen when you give your husband the gift of respect, not making him fully earn it, although he should. I'm talking about your responsibility. Giving him the gift of respect. And you begin to sow those seeds now. I'm telling you, You're going to have to to plant that if you want it. I'm telling you that the harvest isn't going to be immediate, but I'm also telling you that over time when you plant that, you're going to reap more than you sowed out of that effort. Men, how much goodwill could happen in your marriage if you planted seeds of loving and serving towards your wife? what, What dynamic would change in your marriage? What would you reap? What would the harvest be? 
I don't know fully. But don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate the power of the law of sowing and reaping in your marriages, in your relationship with your kid, in your boyfriend, girlfriend, in your in-law relationship. You will only reap what you sow. And you will reap later than you sow. But the good news is, is you will reap more than you sow. If you've been planting good stuff, that's good news. If you've been planting bad seed, it's time to stop and to quit looking around and take responsibility. These words from God's word are an example of his love for us because he wants us to understand exactly what's happening. So today we have an amazing opportunity to take a moment and not look out the window and blame everybody else, but to look into the mirror and say, now God, how do you want me to leverage the law of sowing and reaping in my life, in my family, beginning today. Now, if you're like me, I've had a little advance notice what the preacher was going to say today. Um, when I started thinking about this, man, it was real easy for me to go to kind of a, a dark place, a, a, a hurtful and emotionally draining place. But when I look at other people, I feel better. But when I look at myself, I begin to grow. I'm in a capacity to grow. And I had to make a little bit of a list. Drill down on some of the things, some of the seed I've been planting, some of the harvest I've been reaping and saying, now really, where does that come from? And instead of looking around to blame my wife, my kids, my job, and look at myself first, and I discovered I had some repenting to do in my life. Now, the word repenting is not an emotional word in the Bible. It doesn't mean feel bad. It literally means to change your mind. I had to change my mind and change my actions after I changed my mind. I had some restoring to do. I have some seed planting to do. Maybe, maybe that's you today, too. And, and the other thing I thought is I have an amazing time right now in, in my family to look at, through the holiday time of how I'm going to invest in my family and in my relationships. We're going to have a little extra time together. I've, I probably have not had a better time in several months than the few weeks I'm going to have from here forward to invest good seed in my family in hopes that God's word will be true. The seed I plant will produce a harvest in like kind. The seed I plant will eventually turn into the harvest. And the seed I plant will give me more than the effort it took me to put into it. Yeah, I think the same exact opportunity. Over the next few months, you have an opportunity to leverage this truth from God's word. His love in action, showing us the way families work, the way life works. And then there's another dynamic that I identified as I was kind of thinking about this. I need to invest in myself spiritually as well on a deeper level over the next few months. And in this holiday season of busyness and family, I don't want to neglect sowing into my life spiritually. I want to give that the time and attention because it becomes the wellspring out of which everything else in my life flows. I think you have the same kind of opportunities in front of you. Let me challenge you with this. Are you going to give in to the tendency to self-deceive and blame everybody else? Or are you going to join me in looking at yourself and what seeds you can plant in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, with your in-laws over this holiday season? Well, you know around here we don't like to just hear things. We like to move forward. So would you do this and grab out your Connect card that Pastors Matt and Greg spoke with you about earlier? And let's take a few steps together as a congregation. This is an opportunity for you to hear and respond and to set an action plan of how you're going to begin to live out some of the things that God has spoken into your heart today. And every service we get together, we like to give people a chance to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. So next step A on your Connect card says this. I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the very first time. 
And the law of sowing and reaping says that the seeds you plant, that's what you're going to harvest. There is one mitigating truth that grace, grace from God doesn't always work this way. That we can sow selfishly, we can sow sinfully, but because of grace, we don't have to reap the full consequences of that sin. And that's what this is all about, this next step. If you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not based on anything you'll do, but based on what he has done, you can do that right now by simply acknowledging, God, I've not been perfect. Your word says I'm a sinner, but I'd like to accept your offer of grace given to me because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you'd like to do that, we ask you to check the card, next step A. And when the offering buckets come by in a few minutes at the end of our service, you put that card in and we're going to communicate with you. You're not joining our church. You're not committing to give money. You're not joining a team. We just want to explain to you what this relationship with Jesus can look like. So that's what next step A is. Or how about next step B? I want to get baptized and go public with my faith. Next service, we have four folks getting baptized right up here. It's going to be awesome. It's a party around here. If you have not yet gone public with your faith in Jesus, please check the box. We'll answer your questions, get you signed up. And move forward. Here's the next step. See, here's the one that really spoke into my heart. I have some repenting and some restoring to do in my family. Hey, if that's you, just be honest. Take that first step. Begin to take your responsibility. Quit looking out the window. Start looking in the mirror. Check the box and let us join with you in prayer. And we'll send you a reminder in the middle of the week about what you said you wanted to do. And we'll encourage you in prayer as well. How about next step D? I'm going to take this holiday season to invest in myself into my relationships, to invest myself into my relationships. You have an amazing time in, in front of you over the next two months to do that. Now, how about next step E? Over this holiday season, I'm not going to neglect sowing into my own spiritual development. I'm not going to neglect sowing into my own spiritual development over this holiday season. All right, take your steps. Let's pray about those things right now, and then we'll close out our service. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace for your truth. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life on a cross, who was resurrected from the tomb. God, right now I lift up those folks who are committing their lives to you. They're saying, Jesus, forgive my sin. I want you to lead my life. God, I lift up those folks that acknowledge they have some sowing to do into their marriages. They have been reaping a harvest they don't like, and now they're, they need to sow some good seed. God, I pray that as your word admonished us, we would not give up doing the good and we would wait in due time for the good harvest you're sending our way. God, thank you for the families in this church. We want all that you have for us. We pray it in the strong name of Jesus, the Holy Son of God. Amen and amen.